I wanted to be a multimillionaire. I want to be the judge of how successful or unsuccessful I'm going to Take be. Take control of your life. I meant the hustle was still in me. Start moving. You got to touch something. Now, nah, but this is um, Mr. Emmanuel Dupree Jackson. Yes, sir. So this 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 is this is different than my normal interviews. I'm gonna tell you why. So normally, um, someone would say, "Hey, you know, I would like to learn more about this brother," or somebody would tell me, "Hey, you ever thought about interviewing this person?" Or oh, I do the research myself, and I said, "Oh, this brother moving different." This was a little different because I didn't really know. Every, I didn't know a lot about you. Mm-hmm. We have a mutual friend, you know, D. And I know if D said it, yes, sir. it got to be official. Yes, you know, Daniel Tuzand. Yes, sir. Danny Boy Zoe, for, for the ones that know. Yeah. You know, a different character, um, but solid man. So I know when a solid man tell me about another solid man, it's time for me to pay attention. You know, right. So. right. But I'm, this one's going to be, I'm going to learn a lot more about you in this process because one thing I didn't do with this I didn't go in depth with research because I okay. wanted to meet the man. Yeah, right. You know, uh-huh. he told me, of course, your work that you're doing in the community. Yeah. You, you know, your the authenticity. You know, that's all I needed to hear. Okay. You know, so I want to start. I want to. So great to meet you, my brother. I want to get started yeah, from the pleasure beginning, to be here, man. man. Mm-hmm. Um, which we met before this, so I don't want to yeah. act like it's our first time right. meeting. I want. So I want to get started from the beginning. Born and raised where? Uh, mostly Delray. Oh, okay. thought I put it on side. I'm sorry. It's all that. good, man. I'm People glad I got it early. Um, was on side. So I was born in born and raised in uh, Delray Beach, Florida. Okay. So, but uh, so my mom and dad, like I never stayed in a two parent household. So like you know they were never together. Mm-hmm. Um. So like uh, I remember second grade, I had moved out to Jacksonville. My dad did a school year there. Came back. Now I'm back with my mom. Then I moved back with my dad to North Florida, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And at Christmas break, eighth grade, I came back to South Florida. So I why the bottom, why the back and forth? From in hindsight now, being grown and kind of getting understanding, like my mom, my mom, my mom, I had a sweet mom, loving mom, caring mom, but she ain't had no discipline. But she always wanted what's best for me, and I was her baby. I was the youngest, and my dad was the opposite. He was disciplined, so she always wanted me with him as much as possible. You know. So as he was moving, whenever he would get figure thing out, get settled, he would always send for me. Or that's how it was. So and uh, as I got older, I tried to run away from that discipline, that structure as much as possible. So I always be like, man, I want to go back to my mom, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Of course. So that's what it was. Yeah, she was always trying to push me down. And, and growing up, growing up, and um, give me a little bit more detail about what was yeah. the difference in those homes. Yeah, man, I love to jump into that. So it it, it go down to really. So my mom household in Delray Beach, to put it nicely, man, the 80s hit my family bad. Like when the crack and all the drugs and everything came. Because before then, you know, I hear stories, obviously, like like my the generation before my parents, my great uncles and grandmas, you know, they owned stores. They had businesses. They were kind of stable. But like my direct, like my mom, her siblings, like a lot of them was sprung out on crack. Like I, uh, I grew up. My mom was a hustler. Like my mom was the the lady who whatever you need, you got. 
like from you know from the from from dope to doing hair to selling food like my mom was a certified hustler and i got to see everything firsthand so i i grew up fast bro like like little dupree and delray i knew a lot a lot more than i probably need to know at the age but uh i was mature because i know how to deal with certain information i ain't put like i knew when people come and they sitting in my, my mom den they hanging out doing their little grown folks parties I got enough sense to know if it's such such and such person is respected in the community. They ain't really supposed to be there at this hour doing that type of stuff, but I don't go tell it. Such and such is at my yeah, house. Yeah. And do, like I learned game mm. quick. Um, and I knew that too, cause when I used to go around my dad up in the country, North Florida, I got an uncle, man. He, he's something else, my uncle Joe. He would always say, hey, 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 man, let me hold some. I know you're down there moving, selling them drugs and doing all this stuff. Like. <laughs> He's telling. I'm telling you, I'm like 10, 11, 12. He's be telling me stuff like this. I like Uncle Joe. You get what I'm saying? But he knew what I like. Blunt, what my mama then was doing. Like he, he, look, talk, he knew what's going down. He knew what's going on. So I used to always be surprised. Like, why are you talking to me like that? No, I'm just going to school, or you know. But he, you know, but it ended up one of the times later in life he asked me that question. He was dead right. <laughs> <laughs> I had him moved to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So but you know, it's crazy. I want to ask you one thing in that same conversation. Like, yeah. what made you already had the sense to protect your mom image in that process? Oh man, you know what I came in? That's a great question. I mm, just I, I guess intuition, like you you know better. Like you 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 could tell how she moved. And and I mind you also, like I'm not totally naive. By the time I was eight and nine, my house had already been busted twice. So I I done seen our police running there with the eight, like the jump out units. Like I don't know go run, hide that and all this. Like I, I know the you know, I know what time it is. And you know what time it was. So yeah. Make the... Right. And I know this how my mom made her living. I knew she was a hustler. I knew she was likable. And I know when they go in there and they doing a adult thing, I know that's exactly what it was. So stay in my place. And, um, mm. you know. So you yeah. more free at your mom's house, but when you go to your father's house, how was that? Other than Uncle Joe. Man, <laughs> listen. All of them, they were raised the same, man. I'm telling you, like, dirt roads, country, like we... Early on, grew up with farms. I had to like feed the dogs, the cow, the hogs, the the goats, the animals. Like what part of Florida? Like this is Sneeze, Jackson County. Like oh, I just yeah. came from there uh, two nights ago. Oh. I bring the New Year's in there because I try to get back to that. Just real slow, calm, you know. But yeah, it's Jackson County, man. Dirt road. So summers I was picking peas, tossing watermelons, doing old school stuff. That's how I grew up, bro. So you did both. So you went from Delray life, different lifestyle, right? To Sneed, Florida. I never Sneed. even heard of it. So it's it's a little okay. So my dad, he's from Sneed, Florida. His whole family, my granddad, and all them. So at first, when I moved, my dad, he had he left Sneed when he was like 17, 18. You know, everybody they wait till they get of age to, to leave. Take a boat, get up out of there. So he had he had been long gone. The first time I moved, my dad, he was with his. They were never married with his girlfriend at the time. My stepmom. Um, they were in Jacksonville, so that's the first time I moved, and we were in Jacksonville. And we used to go from Jacksonville, go visit Jackson County. And my granddad was still living then, and, you know, I, I would get glimpses of it. So I would spend weekends there, waking up, seeing the animals, living off the land, that type of stuff. But I wasn't living there. So I would go home to Jacksonville and be back in the city. Mm-hmm. But that changed when I when I moved back uh, after second grade, moved back to Delray. My dad was out of my life for a couple of years, and he came back um, when I was in fifth grade, and I moved back with him. This time, we were in Sneed. So now I'm in the country. Now I'm living there, not visiting. So that, that was, that's what it changed. Yeah. So, but growing up in Del Rey, um, what what was the experience like back then? Man, a lot of a lot of kind of what I explained. Um, 
now with the work I do, I see that I was in a, what you call it, like a the vulnerable neighborhood, uh, the ghetto or section eight. But, but growing up, bro, I, I was spoiled. My mom loved me. She let me do what I want. We had money when it was time to go on field trips or go to dances at Pompeii and do all those things. I can go or hear you got this or if the latest shoe came out, I had it. I was okay. I was good, you know? But uh, again, like I was always very, very aware and observant. Um, I just, the story, when I talk to your brother, like my, my, my oldest brother, from the time he was 15, 16, I was always going my mom to court for him, for his little jail stuff. I was there when he got sentenced for his long bid. When he was 16, he was sentenced to like 15 years, so he ended up doing 11 of those years. So he got out when he was 27. Um, during that same time, even before my brother went, two of my uncles, I had never, I don't, the last time I had met them, I was under a year old, both of them. So I was, our relationship, whole time till I was like 12, 13, was raised talking to them on the phone. Two of my uncles, like they, they did, one did 16 and one did 20 years, like prison beds. Mm. So that's kind of how my childhood was growing up. And then, and I remember at one point always thinking like, you know, it'll eventually be my time. I had visited so many prisons in Florida, like that was. So that was an option for you? No, that was not the option, that was the path. Like I'm a, well other option, right? I'm, I'm naming all the men in my family and. So we supposed to go to jail? We supposed, yeah, and I had to unlearn that and unbelieve that, you know? So that's that's so that's what I remember. Not just not just D. A couple other friends that I have really believed they were never gonna live past eighteen. Mm-hmm. And the moment they live past eighteen, you're like, shit, I'm up. There you go. Yeah. Now we could really turn up now because I live past eighteen. That's it. But that that whole culture and that whole when your brother went in because that's that's someone that's closer to you. Yeah. How was that? How did that affect your house? How did that affect you? Well, it, it, it had a big effect on me because uh, even to this day, I I had a couple moments. I had a little stints of having a brother. But um, I always looked up to him. He, obviously, he was cool. He was popular, handsome, had the girls. You know, but he was just hot-tempered, you know. And um, the things that he was attracted to, like stealing cars or having guns and all that, you're not going to be free if those are your hobbies, if that's your yeah, interest. Those are a little different hobbies. But I looked up to him, so... Those became things I wanted to be good at in my hobbies too. You know what I mean? I remember, and, and friends of mine tell you stories. Like I was always the kid when we was young. Like when they got time, like like say shoot out at block party and stuff, and like okay, they running our crew ain't running. Y'all know I'm straight. You know right like I, certain stuff. I, I, I've heard of those type of lifestyles. It's just natural to me, you know. Yeah. And it came because it was always right there in the household. I didn't know anything different. So really, bro, I, I I do a lot of talking now about trying to improve life outcomes, but I was happy growing up until I got to a point I realized, man, so much more to life, and I shouldn't have had to think like that. I shouldn't have had to put myself in the box, man. Prison ain't the only option. There's other ways. But, but even uh, before you got there, though, like you know, growing up in a city like Del Rey, yeah, with like huge legacies like the Spade family, you know, mm-hmm. things that I hear, I don't really know, yeah. um. You know, the, these names, were there any inspiration from those people also, or that didn't come until later on? I can't say. Uh, the inspiration came later on, but as I remember, those those names aren't the people that sparked it in me. It was like uh, like Mr. Dennis Murray. He's the, uh, like a longtime lifeguard at Pompey Pool. He was there. Like him, the people who 
what? Was in the mud with you. In the mud. Like, not just me, all the kids. You see, kind of, I think back, I get chills because the same thing I'm doing now, he did. Like, he saw mm-hmm. us each, and um, he saw himself in each one of us. So, like, I was a little knucklehead boy. Like, he knew my, he just like, he knew the grown stuff. He knew what my mama did. But he was like, well, if Mary's son can be here all these times, be one of my junior lifeguards. I'm going to teach you how to swim. You, you. Treat me like I got a real job. Like I'm important. I got a whistle. I'm sitting out there. With somebody oh, drown. That whistle did it for you, huh? He, yeah, bro. He gave me something to look forward to. He gave, other he than did, prison. Yeah, he did that for a lot of us. So Dennis Murray, uh, Miss Carter, she was another one. We got to middle school. I was at Omni. You know that was that was rough back then, but she would she was one of the ones grab you by the ear. Uh huh. You know you gonna we're not playing. You do with what you. you want after two hours, but we got to school. You are gonna be here for two hours. Do the homework. Yeah, I needed yeah. that. Cause my mama ain't care. You know what I'm saying? Like discipline. I needed that. So those are people. So, you know, Spady, Pompey, they were always there. To, those names rung, but I wasn't directly affected by those. That was right. before my time. So the, the the local, you know, the guys that you could look up to, that you could that could relate to you and, and give you some game yeah. in that process. or the, right. Like I said, in the mud, they're just yeah, different. Yeah. The, the big names are the, and there's no shot at them. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I, I get what you're saying yeah. right away. Like, People that really affected you was the people that was actually involved, right. hands on, right. and that era in the community. Is there um, any activities that you guys knew that that was already set up, like in the community? Like, is there did you play sports? Did you mm-hmm. play? You know, was there any other activities other than yeah. sports also that stood out? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, bro, it's spot on. I love talking to you already, man. Because I remember. So I was always overweight, so I never ever suited up and played for Delray Rocks. But I remember one time. I convinced my mom to take me out there to sign me up. And I, I never forget walking in there to um, Pompeii. It was Coach Bean. He, 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 and um, he was like, oh, this is the first time he never played. They were talking like, no, but he want to play. I want to get him out here, but I don't want to waste my money. You know, stuff like that. And she's like, well, okay, well, we'll let him come out here and practice, see how he do with, like, running and, you know, the discipline part. And, and I'll let you know if he uh, if it's for him or not. Again, like how I say, I'm grown now. I realized I never got, after that couple of days I was out there, I never went and signed me up. He must have told my mama, oh, he ain't, he ain't with it. You know what I'm saying? So I never played Delray Rocks, but when I, fifth grade, when I moved up with my dad, I, I played Little League with, up there. So I played for Sneeze Pirates. So it's crazy. So did your, <laughs> did your father give you an option to play sports? I had to do something. And so... It wasn't like I wanted to play sports here with my mom, but coach told him something else. I was convincing my mom. I made my mom get up and go to Pompeii. Right. So the same thing with my dad. Naturally, I was like, Dad, I want to play ball and everything, but it was more important for me because the alternative with my mom was, was to chill at the house, sit on the couch, and just eat. The alternative with my dad, where you going to be out here helping yeah. work on his car, cutting his grass, organizing the store. you always going to be working doing, doing something. So I couldn't wait to find something to do. That was yeah, like, yeah. I, I was more motivated to go harder. With sports. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So with mom, you can stay home and chill. I can stay home and chill. But at dad, at dad, at watermelon looking for you. <laughs> something. <laughs> something. You feel me? I need you to mop no the street. Thing, no wake up Saturday morning, watch a cartoon. We got chores. We got something to do. Yeah. But how was how was teenage years for you? Uh teenage years was I I when I look back, I say fun, bro, because because I, I was again. I, I had enough time spent with both households, so a lot of the lessons and stuff my dad was trying to teach me, I was kind of getting. I respected him and loved him enough that even when I was back down here in my teenage years, my mom, 
I wasn't doing straight up knucklehead stuff. I would think about my daddy. Right, right. And I would think about the Jackson name. Even though the Jacksons mm. aren't in Delray, it means something to us. Well, Jackson County were the Jacksons, you know, that that's mm. in me now. So I carried myself a little different when I was back down here in Delray. So So then wait, so the Jackson and Snade, what's Sneeds. Sneed. So it's S N E A D S. Sneeds. Sneed County. Sneeds, Florida is the city. Sneed, Florida. Yeah, Jackson I County. I've never it's heard good, of it. Bro. I'm working through Nobody it. Nobody never heard of this. So. But then the Jacksons and, and Delray, they were similar, same family? or No. So my in Delray, my, 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 my mom, her family, they're the woods, W O D S, like Tiger Woods, the woods here. Um, the Jackson, which I am, is from Sneeze in Jackson County from Sneeze, Florida. That's my dad. So there's no Jacksons down here. It's a huge, but you have a huge family up, up there. there. Correct. Um, so I want to say, so how, I'm teenage years. How was that experience? Because like the crack epidemic is slowing down. Mm-hmm. A lot of people messed up or getting cleaned up. Yeah. What well, did that era? You know, high school years and all. Did it start? Did you want the streets more? Did you yeah. want to you know straighten up more? Like what was that for you? Yeah. So I've always it's two type of people, and, and I. If I get off, I want you to come back to that question. But it's important for me to say that, like, there's people who, I tell you my stories, grew up seeing the damage that, like, crack, drugs, and just street life do to people. Like, talking to my uncles through the phone, seeing my uncles, knowing the, look, the different look in their eye, how they carry themselves. They could be well-respected, strong, disciplined person, but they hit that crack. They be weak, no pride, don't care how they mm. carry themselves. It's just, I saw that, and I never wanted that. Other people see it and be like, I can't wait to experience it. I'll try it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. Like, I never wanted to be a crackhead. I never wanted, you get what I'm saying? I get it. So, teenage years, I tried to run from what I thought was eventually I'm going to be in prison. All this stuff in the back of my head, I tried to run from it. So, that's why I never, like, smoked during middle school. I wasn't hustling because I don't got to pretend to hustle. Like, my mama hustled and she gave me money. Yeah. So why am I here trying to pretend? Right, right, right. I was you why, already had the wisdom of that already. Right. While I was looking at people pretend to try to be hood, I was doing the opposite because I literally was the kid. Like my best friends never could stay night at my house because they knew my they knew my house. They knew where to go down there. Like people, I could stay night at friends' house because they loved me as a kid. But I'm sorry, my best friend Cedric here. Take Cedric can't stay at your house. The grandma used to tell me all the time. Cause I know what time it is. No, we everybody did. Everybody know going to Big Mary house. You get what I'm saying? Like. So I was always trying to search for more and not try to be that. Cause but, but, where, but where would you get that more from? Be spending more time with, uh, like, listening to Miss Carter. Okay, I can come to your, you'll, you'll let me come to your center after school. My mom ain't got to sign me up. I want to be there. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm. Mr. Dennis, I can be your junior lifeguard. I don't need to get paid. You going to give me a job, give me a whistle? I want to be there. A whistle is important. You get what I'm saying? Like, give me something... And I remember ninth grade year, I got hurt doing football. So I ain't finished that season. But the second that uh, my sophomore year, I was ineligible. And it was a guy, we called him Pony Boy, real name Darren Haywood, at Pompey Park. He had a, he was starting a flag football league for little kids. He's like, man, you here every day. Why you ain't playing football? And I remember I told him a lot for two straight weeks. And then he finally said, man, I already talked to the people, bro. You ain't got the grades. I was like, man, I was ashamed to tell you. He's like, that's all right. You out here every day, get one of these teams. So I, I became a coach of a little league flag football team. So five, six, seven-year-olds. But I remember the pride I had in that, bro. I remember when he got the T-shirts made for us. And, like, I had 
could pick my team logo with the Jaguars, cause that was my favorite team, you know. And I remember again, little kids, they numbers, they were like coach, they couldn't. If I was late, they sitting there waiting for me to get there while the other kids practicing. I remember how bad I felt being late because they were kids ready to practice. Man, that that experience made me such a good player when I got eligible, made me more coachable, made me appreciate what, you know what I'm saying? Like just having people that believe in the jet like me and say, you know what, man, you need to be doing something. Come coach this team. And I, so, so yeah. I see something that's a, that's consistent with you. Um, like I said, it's like we're 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 having a full conversation for the mm-hmm. first time. But if I was talking with you just like out of this place, I would see that the level of pride that you have, yeah. like the level of consistency of the whistle was so important for you mm-hmm. to represent. It wasn't even about the paper. It wasn't even yeah. about your job. You just had to, you know, you wanted to do better, but you also were part of something. Mm-hmm. The next thing was that flag football when you said, listen, oh, I'm a coach now? Yeah, right. I'm taking this coach thing That's serious. Right. Right. So, like, wh- where do you get that from? Where do you get that instinct? Where do you get that I'm riding for this? So so I, I would guess two parts. Obviously, you know, my parents are close. So, the, like, the heart, the the caring and want to do right by people, 100% my mom. My mom just got a big heart, bro. A lot of times people took advantage of her, so I was extra defensive of my mom. But my dad... He's fair, but he's stern as hell. He just doesn't play the radio. If it's black and white, he's gonna go by the rule book and can't bend it. If you give somebody a word, like when you see a man, you look him in the eye. If you're wrong, Balance. you get on. So I was, I tell you an example. Like when I, before, I used to get whoopings from my dad. We'd have a conversation about it. And I had to look him in. So you know, you know, you know those moments, bro. Man, like, I just need the whipping, man. So I gotta look at you and talk. Why? Boy, look at me. And then you gotta. T- tell you know, be you know your life about to be over. So you got to be over. But imagine swallowing that saying, if you tell me the truth, it's going to be worse. If you don't tell me the truth, then you got to swallow the man you most scared of and tell the truth. That's why I learned. Wow. The take that stuff I got now. People say like, how are you? Well, I had to look at the person I was most scared of in my life mm-hmm. and had to, right before he fudder tear me up and, and, and be real. And, ain't nothing outside of that more scarier. So that's real. nothing scares me in this world. So of course I'm honest and real. Because y'all right. can't do what my daddy did. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay with these consequences? That's right. Your little consequences is nothing. It's nothing. What, um, <laughs> what my father used to do. Right. So you, so did, did you go to, did you, up in, did you end up going to college and all those things also? Or? I did. I did. So when I, um, so when I, I played football freshman year at Boca High. This, the next year I was ineligible. That my junior year, I was still ineligible. I got kicked out of summer school. By doing it was my fault. I did something totally stupid, but I missed the 2.0. I had like a 1.8 or something. I barely missed it. But at the time, they were just starting something, calling like you could sign a contract. I don't know if you were down here. No, I was. I was up north when I was oh, north. So you could sign like an academic contract. But the problem is, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I was always an academic. I lived there. Yeah, yeah, I was one. I was one of them. See, what I'm saying, <laughs> I, I just saw this opportunity. I was like, okay, this is junior year. And mind you, at this time, I'm not thinking about college now. I just want to play football. So I, I moved back with my dad because Boca High, I couldn't do it at Boca High, but I could sign a, a contract at Sneeds High School. So I moved my junior year, I moved back to Sneeds, play, only played like three games there because I realized I had grew up and changed so much. The dynamic with my dad was just different. Like I appreciated like who he was, but he was just too strict and he wasn't. He wouldn't let a kid be a kid, man. You know what I mean? But do you think he also knew what was going on in Del Rey? He did, but like, 
I gave that up and moved to sneeze with you. So like I'm here with you. But I, I think for me, you know how crazy I'm over here defending your father. Like, nah, I hear you. But it's just like, I think the, the way I'm looking, I'm just looking at me as a man. If I knew that's what you're from, if I knew that's, that was your, that was your core yeah. at one point. So when you come to me, I still got to make sure I keep right. you that balance. So right. it's just like, we not playing the race. Like, right. and he stick to the script. He knows yeah. exactly who he is, exactly what he that's does. Right. He's not, I don't play with you. That's right. So I, I'm sorry, I think I just, like for me, I just have a relationship with my father now where I could call him by his first name and joke around with him. Like yeah. some joking thing, but we don't play. Mm. Like I remember, it's crazy thing. The craziest thing my father ever told me. That man told me one day, you know, men don't smile that much. Men don't just be laughing like that. I was like, what are you doing? Because every time I see you with your friends, you having a hell of a mm -hmm. time. But he was like, nah, men don't be out here playing like this. So I really believe that. I'm like, yo, I'm supposed to be stricken. Mm -hmm. and I'm not even supposed to be laughing because men, and I see that man laughing, cracking so much joke now. With it. I'm like, man, this yeah. man tried me all this yeah, time. Yeah. But he stuck to the script. It was right. no bending. It was no, yeah. and it, you know, he lived off that principle, like all action have consequences. Yeah. So this day, yeah. I got moved like that. And I'm, and the thing is, once a man's able to accept his consequences, you know, do what you do. That's right. You know, right. you got to, gonna have to eat that. That's right. You know, so that, 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 that's too. a different culture. You got to pin that too, because those lessons I learned helped me later when I was in the street too. Because for the same thing, I would, I was always mindful, conscious of, of what I was doing and the consequences that come with it. If I wasn't willing to accept the consequences, I switched gears real fast. Yeah, and I've done that in real time, in real life. Yeah, like I see dudes, you know, from being outside that they get in, they get into some trouble. Now you confused. You knew you had that pistol in your hand. That's real. You knew once you let off what was gonna happen. That's real. It it, it was gonna hit him. Yeah. And he's gonna die. That's right. You get away, you don't. That's when right. you get caught, you gonna have to eat that, my boy. That's right. So, like, and I think for me, that's how any kids that I mentor, any students that I ever work with, man, I used to always tell them, listen, these streets ain't for everybody. Mm -hmm. I've been yeah. out here before. I mastered it. That's how good I was. I was a whole artist out here in these I streets. Agree. But I also knew them consequences. Yep. So I knew the crazier I got, the crazier they're going to get. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of dudes, like you said, like they don't understand that process. Yeah. You know, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. You're going to get some money or you're going you're gonna to have to eat these consequences. Yeah. So when you when, when you came back to Sneed, Sneed, mm -hmm. Florida, High school, then the college transition. Did you, yeah. was that a, well, first of all, because that's crazy. So you have the history of all these uncles and like what made you even want to go into college? Positive peer pressure. Okay, explain that. Positive peer pressure, bro. Coming back, Boca High, uh, junior year high school, working. Now I'm doing from after Christmas break, my junior year, all the way till I graduated, I did. Regular school, then I did credit lab after school to catch up to make sure my grades was on point. And in high school, there was this thing like you get recruited if you're an athlete. Like high school in Sneed. High school. Now I'm back in Boca High. Now okay. I'm back here. So now I'm down here, and I got and I, often like guys like Everson Bernard, uh, Eugene French, Jimmy Sutton the third, my homeboy Junior Alfonso, like all these guys. We used to be having like lunch. A coach would come in there and be like, "Hey, you guys got these letters. These coaches want to talk to you. Invite you to this camp. You getting recruited? I That's that. positive peer pressure. I'm sitting here like, damn, I want a letter. Damn, mm. this summer, are y'all going to Ohio to the Ohio State camp? Coach, can I go? 
Like, dude, you don't have grades. Like, we're going there to, it's not a fun trip. We're going to display our it's kids work. And work out. You get your grades right, we'll love to take you. You got good size, you're athletic. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. damn, where I want to go? So I'm, I'm for the focus so I can go on some of these trips. So, I can, so the people you were around right. were moving in a direction. That's right. And it looked like I was missing out on something. They'll come back, talk about visits, trips, how much they ate at hotels. Damn, I want that. I needed that. So it wasn't even the school. It was just, I wanted that. I wanted yeah. to get recruited too. What was the process of going to working on to get those things? It was harder for me because I, I had a lot of making up to do because I didn't take education serious. Um, so it was it was really hard. I had to spend a lot of time studying credit lab. I ain't had days to myself. But my senior year, I caught up enough to be eligible to play and put enough film, get enough film, play enough football to have film, but my grades are still bad. So I had to go a long route. Um, I, I did get a couple of those camp letters, so I reached that one goal, but I never got offers because my grades were poor and I only had one year a good film. So small schools, D3, I don't know if they had NAIA yet, but junior colleges started blowing me up. And I don't know how, but it's just one that found me. It was called Hibbing Community College, northern Minnesota, like close to the border of what? Canada. Right, bro, right. From Delray to Sneed to From, Minnesota. To Minnesota. And I remember getting that letter and them telling me, don't think about it. You're good enough right now. We already looked at your grades. We looked at if you come here, you can work, you can get a scholarship. We want you just. And they talked to me how I saw my friend studs getting talked to. Like, you're the guy. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. How small the school is, whatever, they want me. And they think I can help their program. And uh, Was it like the feeling of being valuable? Yeah. I'm talking to you, bro. It's like that. But going back to that same feeling like when um, I'm Pony Boy. I want you to say that again because I'm like a therapist now. Yeah, for real. Because I'm about to bill you by the time we leave out of here. I just want to let you know that. Okay. But go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to have to give you my share in there. Take the duck. But, but real talk, like that same feeling Mr. Murray gave me with the whistle, same feel, feeling uh, Pony Boy gave me, let me be the head coach. It was something, again, like you're needed. You're valuable. So, like, that's basically what you're saying. Like, we want you. You know, I think that's so crazy, man. And I'm saying that because I remember when I was a young boy, when I was in the streets, yeah. what I thought I was valuable to, I was good at. I thought I was valuable to these streets. Yeah. So I did everything I was supposed to do to master these streets. Yeah. Like, I was a professional street Correct. dude because I thought I was valuable to that. But the moment I realized I was valuable to other things, mm -hmm. I started... Being, mm -hmm. I think that's like a secret. I think we. I just figured out in my mind. I think it's probably been out. Of course, yeah. I truly believe if you're able to give black boys, minority boys, boys overall, I'm, I could only speak to black right. black boys, right. just men overall. I think if you start letting these boys know that they're valuable early, mm -hmm. that direction could shift. Yeah, I think that's what a man yearns for. You know, it's like up. am I valuable? It's you know. Up. So, go ahead, man. Levy that was ago. just like a little thing that just hit me. It's, it's not little because it's huge. Like the huge. whole premise of everything I wear on my chest and my hat, the brand that what makes me a professional and respect in this county now was rooted in that. Like, but before it became, we had a name EJS and all that. I had a slogan. And I still got the sketch. I keep all my notes and stuff. Um, and that was one of my things. I said, when I start my organization, I didn't even know it was going to be EJS then. It, we our slogan gonna be I I promise you have value, cause that's the trick. Once you can convince people and get people to a point where they, especially youth, to realize they have value, it's easier to guide them to things that would benefit them or they know would benefit them. Cause that's my whole thing. We can't be come here 
telling kids to get out of the corner or do something different if you don't provide alternatives. So you got to have a different alternative. Okay, you don't want me on the block hustling, then what? All right? If you don't want me after school uh, walking downtown, breaking into cars, or, t- or going to get purses, then what after school during these hours? What's the alternative? And that's that was my whole thinking. It's like kids are going to be kids. Kids are going to be product of their environment until you give them the tools to produce something else. That's it. So let's go into your organization because yeah. that's, that's another part. You know, I got a chance to learn who you are as a mm-hmm. man. But I want to learn more about what do you do yeah. and how you do it. Um, yeah. So what does EJS stand for, EJS Project stand for, and what is it that you do in that? Okay, so EJS Project is Emmanuel Jackson Sr., my dad, the man. We talked about him earlier. Heavy. That's that's that. I remember early 2099, you remember the, the What Would Jesus Do? Bracelets and bands. You, you don't remember, like, WWW, like, What Would Jesus Do? It was like pop. My thing was always, what would my dad do? Like, even when he wasn't there, he was that chip on that shoulder. Like, man, boy, hold up. Jackson's don't. Watermelons really work, man. I love that, man. You hear me? Like, so I was all like, what would my dad do? So he passed unexpectedly, 2011. At that time, brother, I felt personally, that's that's when me and Danny, Danny, uh, Danny Boy Zoe was going heavy. It was that period. You guys were outside a little bit. It was outside a little bit. And when he passed, bro, I felt really ashamed. I was like, damn, man, that man was so great. I say all these good things about him, invested so much in me. He he gave me all these skills, he gave me all this, this knowledge, this wisdom, these morals, this confidence, this character. And I'm just shitting it away. I ain't doing nothing. I'm underproducing. I'm doing the same thing my uncle and my brother's doing, just sitting here trapping, selling. Man, you ain't doing nothing. You get on, that's how I'm talking to myself. And at the same time, I was bringing my my daughter. She was, my dad passed. She was like six, seven months old. So I'm a new father. And I'm looking at this world. I'm like, bro. It's not adding up. This ain't, this ain't adding up, bro. Like, what are you going to stand on? When it's time to do, you know, daddy, daughter, or whatever, dances, or bring your dad to school day. Man, what you what your, what your daughter going to say about you? I'm thinking about this back then, bro. So this, this shit heavy on my mind. So I wanted to do something that would that would, two things. It would help, like, cement a legacy, prove my father right for investing in me, telling me I could do everything and give me the tools to do it. I wanted to do something I could make a career off of at this point, and I had to be to be 100% legit and never have to dip my toe and back into another side of life ever again. Um, I wanted to build something that my daughter can be proud of and say, like, that's my dad, right? So all those elements came at the same time, around 2011. And um, one thing I want to add to it, yeah. you also wanted to build another whistle. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm gonna start well, taking that. Yeah, that's don't real. worry, I charge for that. That's um, but uh, that's the second thing. Yeah, this, yeah, this loan I leave. Oh, don't worry, my team they're invoicing back there, ready. They already know what time <laughs> it is. No, but I think for me, what I got from that, we're talking about value, mm-hmm. and I think once a man. Know what he's, mm-hmm. you know what what he could produce and what he could bring value to, he doubles yeah. down on. That's so, it. and I'm listening to the consistency in your story, and what I keep on learning is that whistle brought value. Started activating differently. Um, everything it just yeah. it just shows that pattern in it. Mm-hmm. So now, once you got this, you wanted to do this. You wanted, to, of course, the identity is super yeah. important for you. Yeah. That's one thing I got. Your family, your 
your legacy, the your your father's standard mm-hmm. now is in you now. Yeah. He passed away, so now you felt the responsibility. You got to carry that. That's right. That's right. Now it gets into you want to do something different for your daughter. And what was that process of starting it? Like, what was even? Yeah. So I, I remember the journey being, um, I want to give credit to, because it, it's one of the lessons, one of the tools I have. It, it, the tool is not tangible, but to me it's tangible, which is your circle, who you, who you, who you, who you keep around, who you talk that's, to the that's most. That's relationship. That's super tangible. Yeah, man. That's, a, that's the one. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. So that, I had the benefit of having some other solid brothers in my city. And it was like six of us. We started something called Delray B Sports Exhibitors, right? And I and everything I say after this part, I say with a hundred percent like respect and humility. It's not to judge us for trying to figure it out being young man, but just say like we didn't have shit all the way put together. But it was the best two three years life lessons we could possibly do. So the, so first of all, it took a great leader, which my boy Doug Parker is. Like he kind of spearheaded. He was like, "Man, like we've been we've been talking about we're gonna do something. We need to just do it." Doug Parker is a friend that you guys grew up with in Delray. We grew up in Delray, so it, it, I'm gonna name a few. It's Doug Parker, John Lewis, Jeff Blanchard, uh, Jamal Murray. He's now the head coach of Atlanta High School. Myself, like Gregory Fashaw, Hector Kinder. It was it was it was a lot of guys. Old football. No, we were like 26, 27, 28 at the time. But football players that went off, tried to go to college, came back. And a lot of stuff like if we having this conversation now, we would have on the shade trees or when we chilling, but never acting on it until one day Doug, like, man, like we're gonna start training these kids. We're gonna start making sure they're on point when it comes to their academics, uh, how they carry themselves, they can be better recruited, so we can get we can get more of them out of here. What made you guys wanna do that? Our background. Like we that was our experience. We we got lucky. We were able, football got us out of here. Um, all of the guys who I named went and earned scholarships and played football. We just happened to come back. So our thing was, oh, we did what all these kids are dreaming of doing, Delray. We can help give them some guidance and mold them and and, and uh, prepare them for a lot of the roadblocks that they might go through. So that's what Delray B started as, training and working on their character. All right, so, man, it was a hit. I tell you, every Saturday, between 100, 150, 200 kids playing flat football. Wow. But I learned so many lessons about business of nonprofits because our whole our whole model was really every week same thing. It's Saturday morning we'll make a post. Hey, we had Pine Grove from one o'clock to four o'clock flag football games. We're gonna have burger on the grill, fruits, Gatorade, water for free. If you want to help, please call Doug, call Dupree, call John, or drop off at this address. That was our fundraising plan. It was all. Goodwill of community. They love seeing five, six young black men doing this and all Absolutely. these kids. Doing the work. Yeah. But and then it, but you always have those other people, the real professionals. Like, man, I see what you young men are doing. That look that looks great. Um, but do you guys have a are you guys tax exempt? Can you guys get a grant? Do you write grants? I see the posts you make. Like that's cool and all, but you don't have to ask for hundred or two hundred dollars every weekend. You can get a grant to cover the whole year. People start telling us have vision outside of what we saw. So the reason I want to give me two seconds in that conversation yeah. in that topic because, you know, we talk about the crab in a bucket mentality. We talk so much in our community. I'm talking about the black community. You know, I want to be very clear. We talk so much uh, about. We talk so much about those things, yeah. and I, I'm I'm a living testament. 
I think that's the word. Yeah, testament, no. testimony. Yeah. Testimony of people that actually stepped up for me, black people that mm-hmm. stepped up for me when I was down. Yeah. That fronted, that helped, that yeah. supported. And I, I just want you to talk a little bit about that because I don't think people will even understand or even, I don't know if they know or not, but how the community stepped up first yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, what does that look like? Speak a little bit about that because yeah. I think everything's not about clout. Like, it's yeah. not like black people don't support black people. That, right. that, that, that mindset, that culture that we create, yeah. it's not that. Yeah. Because they actually, actually do that. So you can speak yeah. on that a little bit, please. Yeah, I can, man. And it, it, I say, like, those brothers, they're part of that village that support the black man. We always wanted what's best for each other, but we had a, a common goal. We wanted what's best for the kid coming behind us. So our personalities was able, we'll figure that personality stuff out if all of us here for the same reason. We want to get a kid, we want to increase their odds of being successful. So that was good. So now us working together, having that North Star that we all moving, that, like, that encouraged and inspired other people who looking at us, like you see pre dub them, you see what they doing, but that but they got that thing swag, they got little kids out there, them kids respectful, them kids you get what I'm saying? And oh. you know, we, we pooling our money together in time we had to do a fundraiser. I remember like we did a celebrity basketball game, probably cost five, six thousand to get uh the team, the court kings down here from Atlanta to come play our local celebrities. But we don't have no grants, no budget, no backing. Gotta so figure they, it out though. Gotta figure it out. And and we young, you know, and we just starting our families and stuff. So like, I wasn't married at the time, just my fiance, Doug, he wasn't married, just even, like, how we telling these people we try to start families with and have kids? We barely making money that. You know what I'm got the money to do. We got the money, but we want to go do all this. So it was so convincing, but we had people who believed, and, and we had people in the community who saw it. It's like, man, I'm glad y'all doing something. We need more of it. Anything we could do, let us know. So, yeah, I wouldn't be here without community support, but that doesn't mean it ain't no crab still trying to pull in that. Yeah, I, I know. We most <laughs> definitely know that cra- the crab city is in full effect, but yes, I just sir. think we don't speak enough about, like I said, I think the crab is just a regular thing. I think we know there's crab in a bucket, mm-hmm. that mentality, but I think there's also, my personal experience, I know it's not everybody, that there's also, uh, there's also, I think it's all about once you really doing the work, mm-hmm. they come and look for you. That's right. You know, they they want to bring value. That's they right. want to bring you support. You That's know, they right. want to do all those things. But now once you guys started doing the work, and then mm-hmm. what I heard that you guys had people that came and wanted to give you information mm-hmm. to start developing your nonprofit. What was yeah. that process like? So that's that's kind of this and this is when I how I, I gave that little disclaimer before I started telling the story. Cause I never want to throw up under the bridge. We didn't know what we didn't know. Absolutely. But I wanted to be transparent about real conversation that we was having and kind of what led to EJS. So, like, it's six, seven of us, the men, the main group who, like, host our meeting, you know, raise the money and everything. And, you know, after we started seeing success, we would always have that conversation. Like, man, you know, for that six six weeks in a row, we had over 150 kids. Bro, this thing swinging. Like, we got to call police to have them help us manage traffic and all that. Like, bro, wow. let's take advantage of this. Let's, you have a couple of us. Me, I remember, like, Hammer and I think my boy Omar Jacobs. Could have been one or two more. I don't forget no names, but we were heavy. We were like, you know what? Okay, let's let's leverage this momentum now. Let's do like a academic Olympics because we we started this. Mm. We all know Delray, this South Florida. We got the talent, but these kids gotta have other soft skills. They gotta be so. Let's do like let's let's trick them into doing a spelling bee, like you know X Y Z, like an academic Olympics. Yeah. Like then you know all well, the other. What, what do you call that? You did something when there, when you start seeing those letters coming in from your homeboy, like positive peer pressure. Right. So 
So out of us seven, three of us are really on this. And the other four are like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But the four, other four are not on it, on it. So it's not a priority. So now uh, next year come by, we're going to do 12 more football events, another celebrity basketball, but we still ain't do the academic Olympics. So now it's brought up again for them same three. Like, hey, man, we moving. We got to take this momentum. Are we really going to do what we said we're going to do? We got to start doing more stuff that's not all of sitting around football. Now the conversation getting a little more stern, and it's really for me. You get what I'm saying? And also, bro, why we ain't applying for, like, our 501c3? What's, what's up the other day with the paperwork? Because people telling us we don't got to go make posts on Facebook every day to raise money. We can get a big grant. Maybe some of us can get paid for all the time we give. At the very least, don't have to put money out of our pocket to feed and do stuff. Right? Like, I'm thinking business now. Like, okay, we did out of goods in our heart for a year and a half. Bro, I can't keep telling my old lady I need yeah. to borrow money to feed kids. You get what Sound I'm saying? Sounds look a little crazy. Let's talk business. Everybody didn't move at the same pace. Some people still, now let's just do it how we always do it. And they weren't looking at the growth of the future. That's what kind of pushed me faster to EJS. And when I started EJS, it was completely distanced from anything athletic. I don't do football, basketball, anything. This is all about being involved in a community, learning how to volunteer, learning how to care about people outside yourself, uh, uh, learning the importance of academics, staying on track so you don't have to ever have to be so far behind that you don't have the freedom to do what you want when that opportunity presents Your yourself. Story. My story. You're going to um, have soft skills like resume writing, interview skills, learn how to work. You're going to be exposed to different careers so you're not thinking about the same three or four stuff that everybody talks about. These are things that life had taught me that's important. You're going to be... My, one of my biggest things in life is the network and going off to college and meeting people. There's not a, a state, really a country that I go to or travel to that I don't know nobody there. And I contribute that to college and just being open and mean. I want to give that to as many kids as possible. So Exposure got me here. That's what, that's what EJS is all about, bro. So the sports is there. I left that behind, and I came full speed with trying to create all this stuff to put tools in this these toolbox. So what I told you, I promise you have value. I mean that with every kid that walked in my door and they parents know, I believe that like I see you for what I think you could be not for where you are now or the knucklehead the teacher called you or your mom come here and say, you don't listen. That's cool. But I see this stuff you got there, boy, if you do this, you could be that young lady. If you do this and carry yourself like that, you could be that. That's my mm -hmm. job. Cause you got value. That's what I bring, you know? And, um, how long you been doing EJS for? Started September 19th, 2014. So this is going to be our 10th year. Wow. That's 2024. This is the 10th year. Yeah. Wow. I I can't wait for the celebration. Man, it's going to be big. We, when you said was the year? August or October? When I got my letter in the mail, the date is September 19th, 2014 is when I became official 501c3 tax deductible. That's when. That's the biggest party this year. Yeah. I, I can't wait to celebrate yeah, with man. you. Um, and then, and then building that... What is the paperwork like? What does the work look like on building a nonprofit, a okay. 501c3? Yeah. And, and, and uh, like, this is the. Because it's different this, now also. Yeah, yeah. And I say, this has been fun, but when I come here and I, I always try to make, ensure that somebody watching is going to. Get some value. Get some value and leave a little better. So I want to say this probably isn't conventional. It's not conventional, the route I took. But. If you do some of the same things I do, the things I'm going to share can't be debated. It's no theory. 
if you do it, it's you're gonna get the right most, outcome. Most most nine times out of ten, a hustler. There we go. Like we don't gotta. There you go. I don't matter if you corporate. It don't matter if you That's white, right. black. It don't matter. Yeah. A hustler gonna hustle. That's right. So That's it's right. just like in nine times out of ten, a hustler mm-hmm. don't do conventional stuff. That's right. That's right. We figure it out the best way we know how. No doubt. You know, so it's not a thing that we have to truly worry about. It's sure. just you gotta do the work. You, you, you did the work. work. So what did the work look like for you? So the work looked like me, and, and I and I started back with. How should I start? So before the work, getting into it and and really decide I'm gonna go full speed with this nonprofit or trying to build it. I remember doing homework. Okay, who funds nonprofit? What other small nonprofits or grassroots or efforts like this? So doing that homework, seeing what's around, who funded. And it's crazy. I look at that list now. A lot of those big names and stuff I thought was that far away. I do business with. I sit on their boards and I'm, we partners now. I just want to give you this tip because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, me being in business and me understand marketing while you talk, I really would love for you to create a 10-step manual of, of starting a nonprofit organization. That's valuable. Cause that book that works that works, yeah. Because now you're able to bless people with it, and we'll yep. be able to serve. I don't some have more to sit people. down and take every and appointment. Be, meet. I can just yeah. So let's yeah, we go. gotta talk. I, I want you seriously off record. I want. I don't know how we do it. Maybe if it's quarterly lunch or something, I, someone in your mind like not that. Every more week in my don't life, limit man. it for just every quarter, man. I like to yes. eat. So you I hear you, bro. I like you could you could treat the first one, so we could do it next week. That's right. Keep <laughs> going. That that invoice instead of adding up, <laughs> but. I do want to do that, but but advice I give people and the things I take is documentation. That's financial and that's service in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if your first year all you were able to do was spend a couple meals, buy a couple shirts, buy a couple posters. You spent seventeen hundred dollars. Just document it. So that's so are they setting up an LLC? Like what are what's the okay? Oh, 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 go back. Okay, yeah, okay go okay. a little because I because I you know a lot of people have that right. So the goal for me with this show, I want I always want to say this a lot more in this, you know, in this platform is to turn. You always gonna hustle. Mm-hmm. It don't matter what you do, you must hustle. But I my my goal is to take the hustle, the hustler, and develop it into a business. Okay. But a scalable and sustainable business. Mm-hmm. So I want the person that's watching this show that is looking for some information, right. which I also want your information. They could like when they watch your show, they could follow you and learn right. more about you or connect you directly. That hey, I want to learn about this yes. business yes. and what does that look like for me to turn this into a okay. business? So I don't know if it's an LLC that you do or do no, that. no, it's, it's it's not an LLC. So you'll be, um, it won't be a LLC. It'll be Incorporation Inc. Okay, if it's a nonprofit because. Nonprofits is never owned by a single person. It's an entity that's owned by a community. It's mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying. So you like me, I found it. I'm the president, I'm the executive director, but I gotta go out and recruit a board of directors mm-hmm. that ultimately become my boss and have for the most part the same amount of power as me as direction of the that's that's the difference between if you're LLC, it could just be your business, you running whatever. Uh a nonprofit. You could be a non-for-profit, which I was, just a non-for-profit, and have a business and operate and do good things. But to become 501c3 tax deductible together is what real nonprofits are. That way, if someone wants to donate a gift to you, they get a tax deductible donations. Are you eligible to write for federal, state, city grants, period? You could be a nonprofit, don't have that status, 
people can donate to you, but they can't get credit for it. You can't write for a grant. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's important to know. So filing paperwork to become a nonprofit, Inc. is just like filing a business to become LLC. That's not that difficult. And I don't think getting the 501c3 status is difficult neither if you talk to the right person. I was lucky. I was blessed. Uh, the person who helped me get mine was a certified public accountant, CPA. That's what they do in their sleep. So I didn't have to send an application uh, get feedback that I did this wrong, this wrong, because the first time they did it, this is what they do all the time, it went right through. You get what I'm saying? So, so what had, you're saying is important to get the right person. Yes. Hire the right person mm-hmm. to get you to the right place. That's, Which, that's super important. And I told you we're going to come back to it, so let's jump there too. And that was one of my tools I want to give is I knew when I was leaving, like, hustling the streets, I was building my reputation in this nonprofit sector in Palm Beach County that I had a philanthropist spirit, but I'm a street dude and I'm dead broke. Mm. So how are we going to get there? How are we going to fill that gap? So I knew that, that, and I didn't know those people's name, how they look, their background, but I knew eventually I was going to have people around me that did have resources, that was a little smarter, that did have other lived experiences to believe in me, work with me. You get what I'm saying? So I, I, knew, I went in knowing that I'm going to need that, that I ain't got it all. So that's why it's so important to... So what you're talking about, also, I want to make sure I let people know. So mm-hmm. normally on this show, we ask people, um, what are your three tools that you yeah. utilize? Um, yeah. And, the, um, you know, what are three tools in yeah. your toolbox that actually help you get to another capacity? Yeah. And the first one you said was relationships. Relationships. Which I think that is mm-hmm. the secret. Yeah. That's the one. I, I truly believe it because I live but by But I that. skipped that to two. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that two because... The first thing, the first thing is a vision, is and it's writing it down. Because having those people in your life, if you don't have a clear vision, if you don't know what you're putting out to the universe for they can help you with, what's the point of having those people? So first is you being rooted in your why. Where, what are you aiming at? Purposeful living. What did you want to accomplish? Thinking it is good. That's powerful. But... What it increase your odds, I think, by 70 or 80% is simply just writing that down. It makes a whole difference when you can write it and go back to it and look. You mean it when you write it down. We have a lot of thoughts every day. You can, get, you can see something, get inspired, and have amazing thoughts. Mm-hmm. But you ain't serious about it unless you write it down and make plans and how you're going to do it. That's the number one key. I want to add to that a little bit because I think I'm going, while you're speaking it, I want to add my experience yeah. to it. Also, when you write down a vision, be open to add be, be be open and okay to adjust. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, even myself, before I was so locked into my mm-hmm. vision that when a when change happened, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want no change. Yeah. But when I changed my wording from change to adjustment, adjustment. I was like, oh, I can move yeah. this around a little bit. I could I could change it. I mean, I could adjust this. So now I'm back into right. wherever my vision is. Right. So number one for you is vision. Number two yeah. is Relationship. Relationship. What's your third tool that you think that in your toolbox that helped you doing what you're doing? The third big one. It ties into both of those, and it. And I got this advice in 2016. I was at a conference in Canada. Not the little boy from Sneed and Delray. Oh yeah, conference in Canada, and I was a speaker. Talking room full good. of people. Yeah, but but what I did was. Is a guy named Roger Martin. He used to work for the Bill Gates Foundation. He was the keynote. 
I emailed them, emailed them, emailed them, asked them for five minutes of his time in between speeches or in between panels, and he gave me that. So he granted that. And um, and in that five minutes, I was telling what I was trying to do. I want to start or well, I had an organization, but it's just not up and running. Blah, blah, blah. And he gave me advice. He said, from the short conversation I'm talking with you, Dupree, you got me sold. I want to support you. This is what you got to keep doing. Always call your shot. And he gave an analogy of, or he gave a story, kind of comparing like Beirut. This was his story to me. He was like, think about people still talk about Beirut today. You know Beirut. You're a young guy. Da, da, da. He was like, think about all the people since him. He talked talk about like Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds. At the time, like Albert Pujols was on it. He wouldn't have named a name. These guys hit way further than uh, uh, Beirut. They they set records, way more home runs and all that. But people still talk about somebody from, you know, six or seven years ago. Why? Because he was the first one he caught the shot. People are drawn to people who can predict, have a clear vision, call a shot, but back it up. If you can be one of those people, you're going to have a bright future in this. And he told me that. And that's what I try to tell other people because it ties back to those first two tools I gave you. And I still do that. Like, it doesn't stop. That's it. And my calling shots, I how I raise money, how I fund now, my key is site visits. Once I get you to be interested in, then come in and learn and see how we do, where the kids work. And I tell you, these are the challenges we have, but this is what we're going to be doing next. I'm still, every year, every time I meet, calling my shot. And once you show them, bro, there's no better sale than everybody wants to be around something that's good, positive, and winning. Nobody... Nobody would say if you if I, if I pitch that to you, good, positive, impactful, legacy, and winning. When you want, unclear what say it less. is. When you want to be a part of it, oh, I'm about to talk to you about something before we get off this 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 yeah. this, this conversation, right? Because I'm inspired. Yeah, man, that's it, bro. And that and that's been my and that's why this guy right now, you know, who still I still haven't changed much. I talk a lot, I, I articulate a lot better now. I enunciate, I, I do all those things, but I still. I wear my same fit. I dress a little, I tuck, you know, a little tweak things to be professional. But I still got my tip. I still, I'm still Dupree. But I can walk in any room and people trust me because over time, consistency, word of mouth, reputation is all that matters. Super authentic. That's it. And, and you can go, I can start over tomorrow in another state. It probably won't happen overnight, but it's going to catch up because people are going to be looking at me for two or three months or years. Then they'll start calling people in Florida. Florida going vouch. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Just stay consistent. When you ain't, you don't gotta Same get like in the character when you ain't never acting. Same thing like the streets. Same thing like the streets. I tell people all the time. I think the I I, I respect somebody that's built from the streets. Yeah. I respect you know. I think for me, I'm talking about just business or life. I know if you've been through some things mm-hmm. and you show up the way you're doing, you bet. Yeah. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not easy, man. Right. But the same principles carry on. Um, you know, in, in all all capacity, just a principle-driven man. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I want to. I have another question. I would like to add. Um, what 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 do you believe success? What like what is success to you? Okay, success to me is uh, first of all, it's not a destination. It's not a point, a time, and it's not permanent. It's it's definitely the journey. It's a process. So, I feel probably as successful in this moment as I ever in my life. So things like I have a job, like like my passion is my job in my career. So I can earn an income to take care of my family while also serving, 
serving, mm. leaving a legacy, making an impact, helping others, right? And I'm able to do this in my community. Like, That's powerful. You get what I'm saying? Like, I have a, I, I live on 10th. My building, current in the last six years, is right on 7th. The one we just got now is on 8th. Like, listen to what I'm saying. Like, the words, my building, the teen center, in my community. Good, I'm saying these words right now, and they're true. They're not, I'm not dreaming anymore. So the success right now, it, that doesn't mean I'm happy I reached all my goals. I don't have a house I want. I don't have enough money saved. I don't have college fund for my daughter. I have goals, things I'm trying to get to, but I'm successful right now. Don't get it twisted. Beautiful. You get what I'm saying? So success looks different for different people, but overall, success is in the journey, not the destination. Well, you're talking good. I, you know one thing you said that was so. You talking good, man? I love that shit, man. You know when somebody you, you kicking your shit, man. Man, I appreciate that, and, bro. And what I mean by that, you just said you had this vision. You put in the work. You were consistent. You decided you wanted to bring value. People supported that. Mm -hmm. The EJS from your representing your father, representing Jackson. Man, you talking good, man. Mm -hmm. And I love that shit. You talking good. You show so much consistency and passion and purpose and legacy. Like, your daughter understand this. Mm -hmm. like she's, it's like she's, man, you're talking good. I could go on for days what you just said. My building, my home, I live on 10th. The building's in 7th. I'm wearing 8th. This is where you grew up in. Right. This is your family. This is your right. community. Right. Like, you're doing what most people hope to do. Right. right. you actually doing it. Right. And now that's what I'm saying. Like it's so important for Hustle's testimony, man. Where it's like, like it gets it's inspiring me to do a lot. That's what I'm, and I'm gonna talk to you in front of the camera about yeah. what I want to do too, because I want to keep it a hundred like be that. Real. Because once you create that manual mm -hmm. that people could get more information and go back and do what you did and be able to give value like mm -hmm. that. There'll be more EJS. There'll be and more people need. serving. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. now it's like you're on eighth, yeah. somebody else on first, right. somebody else on this. Yeah. Now you guys locked in, you know, mm -hmm. though. Like, but I think it goes back. Like you you beat what you beat. Now you can get a game mm -hmm. on. Like, I don't know, I'm not going for days for this shit, man. Sorry. Excuse you just my just gave me a gym, bro. You just gave me a gym. And I'm this conversation gave me a gym. When I think about all this conversation, you remember I told you earlier, like I grew up my whole life. Be in the house that like my friends and stuff couldn't go to. It ain't safe there. You never know they might get busted in again. Might be raided. You know, drug criminal, such and such builder. You know, whatever. Now, like I'm the guy in the community about to have a center with my dad's name on it. That's the one gonna be one of the safest places in the city. Now, this is where everybody in the city should want to go. Bump shit. That's that's, some that's shit. what you change. You get what I'm saying? It's in real time though. In real time. This and, and this is not no. I'm I'm all about inspiring. I'm all about people that are living in that hope. When mm -hmm. you made that hope into faith and you start mm -hmm. actually doing the work and it all connects, yeah. you're talking good, man. Yeah. You, and that's what I'm saying. I think you're about to free more. Oh, yeah. The more yeah. people you get that game to, man, you gotta you about yeah. to free more. Yeah. And and it's all it's so authentic. Yeah. Like, brother, you know, you 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 transparent mm -hmm. and you tell people I'm from this mud. Now mm -hmm. we, I did this, this, and this, and yeah. here's the result. Mm -hmm. We don't see that a lot. Yeah. So the same yeah. way, the guy that gave you that whistle, mm -hmm. you could do the same thing for a whole bunch of generation. Oh, and now you also a businessman, like you build a business. Right. Cause that's the thing I always try to give the church or 
nonprofit organization, that doesn't mean you're not running a business oh, no. still. Yeah. You're still running a business. You still mm-hmm. should have processes and systems, yeah. marketing, branding. You still, Correct. you're branded right now. You got your hat, you're you right. got your you shirt. Yeah. You're still creating visibility yeah. for your company. And okay. a lot of people don't understand that when you build that manual, I help out with the visibility part. Okay. Like, that's so important, okay. man. Yeah. But let me go into another question I Let's wanted to ask for um, the team in the back start texting me crazy. Okay. Okay. You know, Y'all, y'all let us cook, man. Yeah, they start threatening me. We need this. Stuff, we need you know? this. Let us cook. So I added this. They don't even know I had this question yesterday. Okay. They probably thought about it when I said it. So what's something you didn't pay enough attention to that you had to learn the hard way from? Great question. That's about five great questions. I just want to let everybody know that's what I do, you know. Yeah. Just try to feel good. I'm processing but read it to me one more time. Please, no problem. So basically what I'm asking you is something that you just basically didn't pay enough attention to that end up being one of the hardest things you've learned in that process. Like for me, what I've heard someone say that they wish they would have paid attention to their loved ones mm. a little bit more, their father, their uncle, their cousin, because that they died. Yeah. I had enough time. I got, there's no time now. Or... Like, I wish I would have spent more time with other people or just learning. Like, I wish I would have read more books early because I would have okay. got more information earlier. Okay. And that's okay. one of the hardest things because even just, you know, I'm giving you my answer to, to the question. Yeah. Like, Let I help and inspire me now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I want to give you more clarity yeah. on it. Like, I wish I would have spent more time learning about, like, how does a man have conversation? How does a man listen? Mm-hmm. How does a man give value? How does a man really have the soft spot? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was. I didn't yeah. know I shouldn't be so black and white mm-hmm. when through conversation. Like when you talk about your father, like I know that lifestyle. Yeah. Because it's bomb, bomb, bomb because I was trained that way. Yeah. But I learned I give more value now by being able to accept and understand, mm-hmm. you know, because and it, it was hard for me. I've, I've messed up a lot of relationships yeah. because I'm so, I don't play with you. Duh, 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 yeah. duh. But I wish I had the wisdom and the information that I need. Like, yo, you know, empathy. Yeah. Grace. Yeah. You know, so what is that something that you wish you had more information on? Hopefully I can I can add a little more, but everything you said me, you were just saying to me, made me realize really what I tell myself. And I always, a lot of times tell myself, I wish I would have trusted and believed myself a lot earlier. That's the number one thing. Like a lot of the convictions and things I believe, how I'm talking to you with confidence now, I always thought it. I kind of felt it. It popped in my head. Or I just say had the confidence to be sure or, or, or speak with so much authority with it. I was always like, you know, I think I'm great. Uh, I, I think I could be one of the people to make a difference. Um, like my name is Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And at moments when I was by myself growing up, I used to be like, well, it, and it stands for Emmanuel. It's being interpreted means God is with us. And I remember being young, God is in me. God is in you. Mm-hmm. And I remember figuring out about people, but I used to be timid to say it because older people, oh, oh, you're not God. We praise God. You can get in trouble for saying stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But my intentions wasn't to disrespect God. I just feel like if we treat each other like God and God is really is in us, that's the secret of life. Like not just praising someone on the wall. So that's one of the examples are just saying like, um, okay, yeah, I'm I'm living in a trap now, or this is, but I don't have to go to prison. I wanna, I'm gonna be of the world. I'm gonna travel. I'm gonna, 
tell my close friends this. I'm, I'm saying on the podcast called We Keeping It Real, but I was like, I'm going to have kids all over the world. I'm not going to just be limited to the United States or Florida. Yeah, yeah I need. Talk, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're gonna, I'm, I'm just going to stay out of that one, but yeah. I like what you're saying. I already explained this to my wife. She knows this story. She laughs, so that's past us. But like, these are all things I dreamed of and thought about, but I wasn't convinced until I was like 30 years old that I really can do anything that is no limits. So that's what I would say. Like, Believing in yourself. Leave early. Like that's that that whisper in your ear that you can, you will. That's the truth. And every motivational person or speaker you hear, you will hear this a lot that your mind is the most powerful tool, the resource you have. Because if you think it, you dream it and believe it, it can and most likely it will happen. And, and so that's why I would just like don't don't never don't doubt yourself. Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, either way, you're right. Absolutely. That's not just slang or that's that's facts. Is there, do you think it's possible to achieve balance with business and personal? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I do. How and why? So, boy, I'm going to keep saying it, but this is a great one. For me, especially like the the, the profession I went in, like nonprofit, it it Mm. was, it's it's challenging and it's easier. And let me say why. Because, you don't want to walk into a boardroom with someone who potentially invests in you or give you $10,000 or $50,000, $100,000 to support your cause and be like, oh, yeah, I used to sell drugs. Yeah, you know, I got caught with guns before. I had shoot eyes and I did this. And my mama did this. People couldn't come to my house. You don't walk into a room and st- open like that. People, everybody gonna, ain't going to be nobody that will write you a check when you leave. Right. But over time, never leaving those parts out, staying consistent, those people know I'm that type of person before I get to them, but they appreciate the struggle and what I had to overcome to get here. So for me, this was a perfect blend because I don't have to shy away from all the challenges because a lot of the people who give it to me, they give me because they, they they hate to know that people are going through those challenges, but I'm one who did, and this is how it looked for me, and this is how I overcame, and this is how I want to help other people overcome. Results so can be different. Results can be different, but I that doesn't mean I didn't struggle at all. Like, when I first started this, I you know I was thirty to thirty from thirty to thirty five, man, down in like Miami Club Live, bro. I bro, I didn't have my own section and stuff like that. It, it was just like you can be young, party, have a life, but I had to be mindful what I was building here. I didn't want people that wanted to invest in me or leaving this vision, leaving the nonprofit, and think I was just some. So it's like it's not what you do; it's how you do it. So I would just, if I go out, that's not something I put on my IG. That's me personally to have a good time. You, I ain't got to show up with the pretty girls or bottles. And th- you get what I'm saying? Like you learn how to move differently, and I have to because, especially as we grow at the level I'm at, I'm not just representing myself. I'm representing a, a movement you organization. organization. I have thousand. staff. I have parents. I have board members with long, extensive resumes and background themselves that attach themselves to me. So how I carry mm-hmm. myself is very important. So th- that's the balance for me. Not that like I'm ashamed of my yeah. my my past or my. You representing more than you. I'm representing more than me. So it kind of it, it. You my, want that for your leader anyway. Yeah, for right. Your leader. That's, right. That, that's important. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about even with family because mm-hmm. I think for me, with nonprofit work, you're giving so much. You're yeah. pouring in so much to the people. Yeah. How was that? balance at home like yeah. you know how does all that work yeah so i i think i'm a, that's that's a balance i'm gonna always be juggling for the rest for my whole life and career because i'm someone who again trying to do uh philanthropic work 
but I'm from the underserved community. <laughs> so I need the help I'm trying to give. My cousin, my aunts, my sister, my nieces need the help that I try to give. It's just about creating healthy boundaries and borders. Like, uh, I say like, like my wife, her cousin, four or five kids, baby daddy maybe not being around a lot of them stuff. They're scrolling. They need help. She knows she can't call me to like skip a line. Like, uh, oh, I see you got Lizzie doing this stuff, but the turn, it, like the the tone of change. Like, hey, I see you guys doing that. Or I saw you get it for some families. Such and such need help. Do you think if I got resources or connection to them, I want to help my family, right? But the priority is all. This is a job for me. Like, and, and, and I learned this. I learned this lesson working. I used to work for another agency. And I remember one morning going to work, bro. Like, you know, my I couldn't wait till this was like a Wednesday. We got paid Friday. I'm already thinking about the bills I got. I probably got about twenty dollars in my account, like broke and everything. But I had a check to look forward to. But I remember that day. It was just because of a grant. We were getting four family, four or five families that I'm looking at. That I've been working with, providing services, knowing they're struggling. They just didn't have the capacity to manage a lot of money. Because, but because of a grant, we had to get them four families seven thousand dollars cash. And imagine that feeling like here, I'm struggling, I'm broke, but I'm working with this family who I've been working with and I'm going to give them a check. They looking at me like, oh, thank you, Mr. Dupree. Thank you. I ain't going to say the name of the nonprofit, but for, and it's like, I don't got it. You get what I'm saying? Like, I get what the, you're saying. The dynamic is I want to help everybody. And, and, and let's talk about numbers. Since 2014 until now, you look at my QuickBooks and everything. Probably a little bit more, but what's went through and what's been calculated, I'm at over $3 million in revenue. Again, bro, when I say this shit like this out loud to you, I get chills because, like me, three, I haven't made, I don't got $3 million, I don't got a nice car, night home, you know, but my business, our staff, we have a currently right now operating budget of $650,000. We never did, never not met our budget. It's powerful. You get powerful. like, talk that shit, man. You feel what I'm saying, bro? Like, this is, we're doing it, and and, and, and you're serving, and you're doing and the work. And we're serving, and everything's documented. All our 990s are filled out, our audits, every. You come in and ask a receipt from 2019, I'm going to find it for you. I don't play about that. That was one of the things I wrote in that notebook when I was starting out. I'm going to track every dime. Nobody, I know how people are going to perceive or think about me coming from the streets or how I look. Nobody will never be able to question my integrity in our finances, ever. And I'm still staying true to that. And that's 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 the standing way. on business. Stand, I'm still standing on that business. Yeah, powerful man. Wow, I was just I needed it. Great job, my brother. What's the most so you know? Entrepreneurs, leaders, people normally have some type of routine. Yeah, their daily, their weekly, their monthly routine. What's something that you like? What's a critical routine mm-hmm. that's part of your life right now? Yeah, so it it switches up, but just. Having a routine is critical. So let's start there. Something, whatever it is. So, uh, like right now for me, it's um, uh, on the day to day, regular school. I mean, I prioritize getting my girls ready for school and helping. Like that's with my wife. Like starting my days and that being uh, dropping my thirteen year old off to the bus stop, and you know my wife takes my younger one to the school. But like being a part of that. Then I will go, I'll have like a coffee network, mingle with people, you know, most days of the week. Then I try to go in the office a little early before staff get there and work. That's like a perfect morning. If I'm in the office at 8 o'clock, we usually don't open up until 9, 
But if I'm able to be in there and settle by 8.30, that's a good start, a good routine for my for my day, you know. So it varies, it changes. Um, you know, three years ago it was me waking up. I did six months consistently, brother, waking up at 5 o'clock and by 5.55 being done with a, a three-mile walk slash jog. At the time, that was my routine. It helped me be – I want – you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I get it, it. But just having routines, being consistent is important. important because this – especially when you're in a leader and you get pulled so many different directions, a growing leader, so I'm not where I need to be. Yes, there's a lot of learning. There's a lot of commitment. Being a resource, you have to have structure. You have to be – feet to the ground to some type of foundation in order to just balance it all and withstand it all. Yeah. I want to, um, once again, they're in the back. I'm shifting everything right yeah. now. And when, and the reason I, I want to, because I think I know for sure, I don't think I know for sure you're bringing value. I want to find a way to bring value to what you're doing in your organization. So I want to find a way that we could create some type of partnership, some type of relationship based on media. Okay. So Podcast Space Plus is is a company that we own. You know, is another company that that, we, that I own that my, you know that that that, that builds this. They're, we right. produce this Podcast Space Plus. And one of the things I stand on on Podcast Space Plus, we give a voice to the voiceless. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder why organizations don't have a non don't have a podcast. Mm-hmm. But for me, I want to kind of not even just about you. Sorry, Mr. EJS. Yeah. I want to do it about the students. Yeah, I hear you. I would like these kids that don't really get mm-hmm. the voice, that don't got an opportunity, I would love for them to start a podcast yeah. where they're able to tell their story. They're yeah. able to have conversation on different topics that you don't hear. That's all right. You don't hear them giving their mm-hmm. input, their opinion on all different type of topics. Mm-hmm. The same way you'll hear certain people have conversation and want to talk about different topics or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want to hear that little kid from yeah. 7th Street. I want to yeah. hear his topic. like Because you hear a lot of people tell you what's going on and that little black boy from the hood, but you ain't never heard him tell you. Right, right. I'm with you. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to get involved. I want to create some type of partnership where we develop this show mm-hmm. where we could actually give the voiceless a voice. I'm all right. I'm with you, and, and I'm going to throw something else with you. How about it be, because all of it is important. That's probably the most important, but then some days it's going to be people who want to get inspired. They're going to want to hear for, like, maybe a funder. Or why do you get an EJS? So, so maybe, I was going to tell you the biggest game. So I'm a, yeah. So we're going to have a meeting right now like I would have with a yeah. client. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's important for you to start your own media network. So the key thing about creating your own media platform is important to gain visibility. Mm -hmm. Visibility is everything for everything you want to do. Because there's donors. So you have one show under your network, Mm -hmm. EJS Network, that is a a show based on youth having their own conversation. Where kids, youth could have their own conversation where you could share that with other youth networking. Mm -hmm. Then it's important for you to have a, another show based on your EJS Mm -hmm. where you talk to donors, another show where you talk to partners. You could create four or five shows Mm -hmm. under your network. Gotcha. You control your content. You control your story. You control the narrative. I don't, you know, people, the information that I have is I realized I could be Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. I realized I could have 
I could own BET. I could have BET. The new way of technology now with YouTube, with all these other platforms, there's no difference between me and CNN. Right. I could have my own sports That's right. center. That's right. But people don't understand that they're able to develop their own multimedia network company. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you only could do one show. You could have multiple shows. Right. It's just you need the resources and the tools to actually yeah. do it. Yeah. Right. But I have the resources and the tools. Gotcha. I think that's what a lot of us don't do. Like we don't bring each other value, commit, lock in, and really find a way to get it done. Because mm -hmm. it, it that yes, there's cost affiliate. Yes, there's a process to it. Yeah. Yes, there's a skill set affiliate. There's all these things affiliates with, but it could be done. Mm -hmm. Same way you took EJS from 2014 mm -hmm. to you about to be your tenth year, September 19. Yep. 19th. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Like, you got to look at it. I've been in this mud. I've been creating. Yeah. I've been in this business of marketing. And now my specialty, my skill set is marketing and multimedia. So now my responsibility is to give the game out. Because once you, you know, at times what happened is organizations send out press release for the press to come write about them. Now you can write your own story. Mm. Now you can tell your own story and email it to all the people that you need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different yeah. level. Because I remember when I was trying to do, with my ex-wife trying to put together nonprofit organization and do the work and all the work that we were doing, super passionate about it. We were doing the work. And we were trying to see if press could come right about us. My mind, see, I'm the type of dude, like, you could you could get me one time, but I'm coming for your head. Yeah. I'm going to let you believe it. I remember when they weren't coming to get us. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to create my own. Mm -hmm. I'll have my own one day. Now we have seven shows on our own platform. Mm -hmm. So now it's like I'm giving game for not for people that's in this yeah. that have their own story. Yo, you control your own narrative. You can write your own story. You can literally interview the donors, let them tell their story and why they support you. Yeah. Take that same thing and email it to other people, potential mm -hmm. donors, email it to other people like to inspire them. Yeah. Control your story, control your narrative. Right. And you're able to do that with video podcasting. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know this information. And for me, my responsibility, like I, I you know, I created this and it's just not me because my team is super important for this. Mm -hmm. Like without them, none of this is possible yeah. because, you know, I'm the one that they let me be a whole weirdo out here, you know, but they create <laughs> stability, they create though. structure, you know, um, but with within what we're building in our unit, we know uh, the culture in this company is to give a voice to the voiceless. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that want to talk, want to talk their talk or give their point of view from our show male perspective where guys don't really get, you know, yeah. there's a bunch of things that we're creating, but I'm giving you the game on, man, don't wait for the press to write about right. you. Right, get out there. Put your own story yeah. together. That was a goal of mine two years ago. I said I wanted to start at least month monthly, have, at the time it was a blog to write, just update anybody who come to our website to hear from me directly. There's so many things you can do with that. So now just, you're able to do that. And you're also able to send out a newsletter. But now you're adding a video podcast. I'm gonna to say it. this can replace it. We could do the, the video podcast together. We could take uh what what's the word I'm looking for? Like just take messages from the podcast itself and turn it into a So we're gonna break it down. You're right. gonna you're gonna keep the blog. You're gonna keep your newsletter. Mm -hmm. You're gonna add your video podcast into those mm -hmm. things. Because the blog and the newsletter are where it's hubbed at. That's right. Your website is where it's hubbed at. Mm -hmm. The content is what you put in there to share the word. Yeah. They're not two different things. Mm -hmm. They go with each other. Gotcha. So a lot of people, like you're thinking right now, well, I'm going to replace this with this, replace it with this. Yeah. No, it's needed. Yeah. 
Your email blasting system, your newsletter is a tool that you use to communicate yeah. with. The video podcast is a tool that you use for visibility. Mm-hmm. So once you put the visibility out there, so people that can't, so I know with nonprofits, you guys got to give your annual reports. Yeah. You're now able to do a whole video in your report after every year. Ain't nobody thinking about right, that stuff. That out. And people, are gonna, they're going to You can be see more it. Game. You don't yeah, got to just write yeah, the numbers down. Right. You can see it. Yeah. But a lot of organizations are not using the power of marketing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say you always got to double down back on the business side. So for me, man, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to make this into this, but it's important for me to keep it on record to really talk about because I really want to find out yeah. how... And once again, because I know you that thing that you got that a lot of hustlers mm-hmm. you hustle first. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how we're gonna get it done. Yeah, but one thing I know, we're gonna get it done. That's right. So I'm all in, my brother. I mean, if there's yeah. anything else you want to lead the people, yeah, you know, that's the thing I'm asking you. Right. Is there anything that you want to lead the yeah. people with that, that I didn't get a chance to ask you that you want to share? Please yeah, do. Man. Yeah, man. So, so much, bro. But I, I I just really say that um if they listen to your platform, then they trust you. They already know. Like you, you going out, you doing your due diligence, you making sure you bringing people that will add value to them. And if just y'all sitting here listening and y'all been here this long, you hearing me now, a lot of y'all probably don't know me, but everything I'm telling you, you know, I stand on, I mean it. I can't pretend. Sometimes it's to my detriment that I can't cap for people <laughs> to fit in a different situation. I'm always going to be real, always going to stand on what I'm standing on. So I just want to leave, like, moments like this is, I can, I, I'll be lying if I say I never thought about it. And and I'll ask myself, if you have in a position, if you do make it, if you are successful, what would you, what would you want to give to people, what you want to tell people? You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I want, if you listen to this, know that everything that I said, I was intentional about, trying to give you the realest version of it and that the tool, especially the one about writing things down, the power of the mind, if you, I feel, I think the best way to say this is like things, I always grew up thinking I needed to find the secret formula and I always thought it would be so complex but you'll be so surprised and so shocked if someone just told you the secret formula is two plus two equals four. You'll be so shocked and so and your jaw drop and you'll probably be hesitant to act on it because you think it's too good to be true. But I'm here to tell you it's not. Those old sayings that people gave you, those mantras, those Bible virtues, those scriptures, everything that keeps showing up, take it in, believe it. That's what I want to give people, man. And it's it's no secret to this thing called life. It's just the secret is no shortcuts. The secret is if if someone shows you who they are, believe them. The secret is is if your life has showed you or or you've been convicted that something is right, it doesn't matter how popular the other thing is, you got to go with what you believe. That's what I would leave people with, man. Be you because, like, it's, it's just too many, especially nowadays, it's too many people trying to fit the same mold, be the same type of popular, buy the same type of cars, have the same type of number of followers on social media, where being unique, being real, being genuine is so rare, and we need more people like that. So if, if you're going to be anything, this day and age, try to be that type of person. And, and that's that's one thing I always try to be. So I'll leave with that. 
I appreciate your authenticity. You got the juice. Appreciate that, man. Thank you for the time. Hey. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Hustler's testimony. Oh, God.